So tonight, as we talk over the next five hours about, uh, <laughs> I wish. Tonight's going to be a really um, interesting, a bit different of a night. I'm really excited. But hey, before we even get started, I just want to say, if you're brand new in the room, maybe you've never been to our church before. Maybe you've never been to church before. We just want to say welcome. You are absolutely the coolest person in the room. The two of you have microphones to do this part for once. We like to welcome our new guests by saying we are here to build you up, not beat you up. Yeah. Nice. That was cool, actually, having you guys backing me up on that. Yes, sir. So we've been in this series entitled P.S. I Love Fill in the Blank. Um, why the blank? The blank because we are confused. All the guys said amen. Amen. You know why you're saying amen, guys? Because ladies are confusing, that's why. Because you women, you're confusing, you make no sense. I've been married for 10 years, I just have more questions, not more answers, I'm more confused now than I was a decade ago. <laughs> no, uh, but the reality is, is you know, like we really are confused when it comes to the topics that this series is all about, which this series is about love, buckle up, we're about to go down the first drop on Goliath. You ready, junior hires? Yes, it is about love, sex, and dating. If it makes you feel more comfortable, you could go with the terminology dating, mating, and relating, whatever gets you through the day. But this series, these topics, our society, our culture is so confused about them. We are so lost when it comes to this stuff. Go back to week one and, and uh, check out the statistics. Uh, go back to week one, watch it in our podcast app. Um, check out the statistics I share. It is devastating the way in which we are falling apart in these areas. But here's what I believe. I believe even though we might be confused, God is not confused. No. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, you know what else is not confused? God's word is not confused. Yeah. And here's the thing. God created love. God created sex. Oh, what? Yeah, like somebody brought their friend for the first time tonight, and they're like, my goodness, what kind of church is this? Um, hey, come on now. Come on, somebody. Hey, this is so random. This has nothing to do with the message at all tonight. But I met some, some new girls here tonight. They came, and one of our students introduced me. And they're like, hey, so like a couple weeks ago, your dog got out. It ran up the street. It ran into somebody's house. And that was my house. And you came up the street like it was like a Saturday or something. Like, I don't know what time it was. I have no clue what time it is on Saturdays. Um, and I like went up the street in like basketball shorts. And I found the first shirt I can find, which happened to be a Bridge Youth shirt. And I went up the street. I grabbed my dog, Parker, the one that might be demon possessed. Uh, but he's re he was adopted. He's not biological. And... Uh, I grabbed him. I'm like, I swear he's the sweetest dog when he's at home alone with just me and Amber and nobody's around. And, like, and I took him home. Uh, and as I was walking away, they noticed I was wearing a Bridge Youth shirt. And they're like, hey, we're, we were in the middle of looking for a new church. Then we saw your shirt as you walked away and said, hey, we should try out that church. And now they're here tonight for the very first time. How cool is that? God can use anything, man. God can use anything. But hey, if you are here and you're new tonight, just know this. This is a little bit different of a format. What we're going to do is something called Q&R. You've heard of Q&A, question and answer. We call it Q&R because we might not have an answer, but we will have a response. Yeah. 
And I just wanted to do this because we've got a bunch of questions that have been submitted, a bunch of questions we're going to take live on the spot and everything like that. And I just want to, for a moment, before we move forward, just apologize on behalf of all pastors and preachers for answering questions that nobody's asking. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to answer questions that you guys have asked, the things that you guys are going to ask tonight. And so tonight, um, can I just say, yes, for many of you, you've never been in a setting like this in church. Because there's a lot of churches who are intimidated by this stuff, intimidated by the type of questions, because we're going to get into some really tough questions tonight. But can I tell you this? We're not intimidated by these questions, and God is not intimidated by these questions. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm just praying that tonight, truth would prevail. Amen? Hey, take out your notebooks, your journals, your diaries. If you don't have one, bust out your notes app on your phone. We're going to dig into some stuff tonight. It's going to be a great night. Before we move forward, let's pray. God, you're good. We love you. As we tackle a lot of these questions, God, I pray that, um, that your truth would prevail. God, we trust you and we look to you. God, I pray if there's anybody in the room who's maybe... Um, a skeptic, or, or maybe they are a self-proclaimed atheist, agnostic, uh, maybe they have doubts. God, I pray that you would even help, God, help them know they are welcome here, you love them, and God, I pray that, that um, every one of our hearts would be open to what it is that you have to say tonight, God, that you would speak to us, God, that you would come do what only you can do tonight. God, anybody who maybe throughout tonight would have a question um, God, that you would give them the comfort to jump on Instagram, send that question, because who knows, that could be something that impacts the entire room, all of us, and even more people through um, our media outlets that really go all over the world, God. So be with us tonight, and God, thank you so much that Noah and I got to witness greatness last night at the Lakers game as LeBron scored 40, and we beat the Pelicans. We have God, we just declare right now the Lakers are going to win the championship this year. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Y'all are doing good? How's school? Exactly. All right, we're going to go on to some good news now. That, <laughs> hey, for any of you who do not know me, my name is JJ. Um, I have the privilege. I have the privilege of... Uh, Hey, can I just pray? No, listen. Hey, um, I have the privilege today of doing a little host um, gig, really, getting paid a zero dollars an hour for this, and it's going to be absolutely <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to be able to host and ask them the questions. Hey, we have a lot of already uh, questions submitted, but in the midst of all that, we also want to do some live questions off of Instagram. So if you have your questions, um, go to our um, Instagram page during the message. Um, well, hopefully not literally during just do it like real quick if you have it on your mind and just send it to us um we're going to try and get to as many questions as possible and if we don't get to your question maybe even talk to one of our leaders after and we can talk about it for two hours three hours or 30 minutes it does not matter so we're super excited but we want to start off with a little bit of a warm-up for Ooh, sports okay. you know you got to get the 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 muscles loose before you do anything so we're going to start off with question number one you guys are married. What do married couples do? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, hey, relax. Well. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about relax. Fine, baby. Oh, I should have never did it. Are you guys married? All right. Are we? Ever? Where did you guys meet and what was the first impression? We met officially at a youth group. Oh, yes. Officially. Officially. 
unofficially, I saw him at a show three months before and I thought I'd never see him again. I kind of stalked him, to be honest. I was like, there's the cute guy and I'll never see him again. And I saw him at church three months later. And now Why we're were you married. going like that? There's because a you, were crowd, you were crowd surfing. And I was at like, there concert. he is. He was crowd you guys know what like you guys know yeah. what emo is? We were we were complete emo kids in the early 2000s, and we were at an emo show. We were at a and show I was at UCR. Crowd surfing. Whoa, he was. Like an and idiot. so I was telling my friend Sabrina, "There he goes. I'll never see him again." And now yeah. we're sitting on stage together, married. This is crazy. <laughs> Anyways, but officially at yeah. church. Met so unofficially, group. she stalked me at a show. Officially, uh, was yes. at church, and I. You know, our youth group was like uh, the front row right here. That was about as big as our youth group was. So when somebody walked into our youth group, it was like, everyone's like, who's the new person? So then this really cute blonde walks in, and I was like, oh, like, who's this? And then I found out that she listened to, like, like heavy music and, and emo music, and I was like, well, I might have to marry this girl. And then I did. RxD kids. Anyways, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I love you guys. Anyways, question number two. Was there anything immediately that you guys didn't like about each other? Honestly, there wasn't. I was like, oh, you didn't my, like my goodness. Hair? Did you Who like my hair? This? Loved your hair. My hair was like down to long here, you guys. Long and crazy. It was long and super seen and raw. I loved it. Did you say, uh? How say, rude. Ew? How rude. Okay, so... It was different. Immediately, there was, uh, it wasn't that there was anything I didn't like about her, but I wasn't allowed to like her Yikes. because when we met, I was dating a different girl. There's a story. There's, There's a whole a story. story. It, maybe, you know, if we hang out one-on-one. Get on behind one, me, Satan. I mean, two-on-two, was... two, whatever. If we hang out, we can share that so story. story. I was super respectful. You don't got to go into all that. <laughs> like, but... They trust you. No, but you should Maybe. be respectful when people are in relationships, okay? You should be respectful. Now, on both ends, if you're in a relationship, be respectful to the person you're with. And don't flirt. Chill. Words from Amber. <laughs> let's go. Hey, but let's go. We're going to go into Calm that down, a little bit more. Calm down, girl. All right. Last warm-up question. What do you guys argue or fight over the most? That's easy. Easy. When she's going to say, here's what she's going to say. When he loses stuff. What I would say is when she puts my stuff in the most random of places. It's half and half. Sometimes he loses it and it he's like. It is 90-10. And then he'll find it. And then the other half is actually me putting it in a really weird spot. Because I'm like Where in the cleaning world are up. my shoes? Like I'm cleaning up and I'm like. I'm in the freezer the and they're under the bag of peas. <laughs> throw it in the, the Why pantry. Why are you guys laughing? This is my life. Like, I know. I can never find anything yeah, ever. It's kind of rough. Like, it's kinda so rough. tough. That's it. That's what we fight about the most. See counseling, everybody. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to do a little segment we like to call Five Minutes, Five Questions. Amber and Corey will be given the opportunity to speak for 30 seconds. And, yes, it will be timed. 30 minutes? Okay. Not 30 minutes, 30 seconds, or else we will boo you off stage Dear and probably God. stone you. Not get stoned. Relax. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, first question, starting off. Oh, wait, you can actually put a timer on I'm for I'm putting us? a timer. Who's going first? We're going to practice self-control here. I'll go first. Okay. Ready? Three, two. When will I know when I'm ready to date? When your parents say it's okay, number one, obviously. You live in their home, so you get to date when they say it's okay. And I know that's not popular, but 
It's truth, because we're talking truth tonight. We're not going to talk about what you want to hear. We're going to talk about what the truth says. And maybe some of it's what you want to hear, some of it's what you don't want to hear. But that's okay, because we got to grow up. we got to grow. Okay. All right. So a couple of other things, because I have under, I don't Five even seconds. know. Five, Five seconds. seconds. Um, when you have a solid foundation of your faith, when you can say that you are the person that you want to date, boom. <laughs> Corey, begin. All right. Number one, when your parents say... We did not, like, collaborate on our notes. So, yeah, when your parents say that you're ready to date, that's when you're ready. Uh, you'll never be right with your mate until you're right with your maker. So you need to be right with Jesus, Ramona. Uh, you'll be ready to date when you could possibly get married in five years, okay? So if you're like, I am 11 years old, you're not ready to date. Cut it out. Lastly, when you realize dating is not all about you. Three seconds to spare. Glory to God. He is moving in this place. Question number two, is casually, is casually dating, is casually dating bad? Amber, go. All right. Uh, it's practicing for divorce. If you're just casually dating and breaking up, dating and breaking up, dating and breaking up, you're just practicing for divorce. And I know that's heavy, but we don't want you to have heartbreak your whole, you know, your whole high school career having this heartbreak because you're just casually dating. Don't practice for divorce. Get serious. Wait. Prepare yourself and it'll be good. It'll be good. And um, Paul also talks about in the New Testament, I don't know how many seconds I have left, about that we have freedom in Christ, but not everything is good for us. So just because we are free doesn't mean we have to do everything. You're Some going things over your beneficial. time, Amber. Sorry. Come on. Six seconds went wow, to the spirit. Wow, this is really hard Six seconds me. went to the spirit right there. How is okay, this Corey, yep. is it casually dating bad? Begin. Yes. Uh, if you date casually, essentially you're dating for the sake of having fun. If you date for the sake of having fun, ladies, hey, all the ladies in the room say, hey. Hey. So if you let a guy date you casually for fun, you have allowed him to dumb down your value to that of his Xbox. When he gets mad at Fortnite, he throws the controller. What do you think he's going to do when he gets mad at you? Oh, my goodness. Don't do it. Um, also... That's not to say that you jump all in right away, okay? You don't just like, no casual dating, let me just jump in all the... No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. 31 seconds. 31 Close. Seconds. Still not 30. Okay. He had to bring in Fortnite. Why would he do that? That's messed up. Anyways. Is it okay for a Christian to date a non-Christian? Amber, begin. All right. First thing, it's not wise. Not the smartest move. Because you're going to be at war with them. Because if you believe in God and God's your foundation and it's not their foundation, you guys are going to war with what your foundation is going to be moving forward. So why start a war? Why start a relationship by starting a war? So that's all I got to say about that. That's good. <laughs> Come 30 on now. seconds. Whatever. Yep. This segment's fun. It was way under. All right. That's okay. Uh, okay, so if you want to get really good at basketball, you hang out with basketball players. If you wanted to get a really good uh, free throw shot, ask Steph Curry, not Tiger Woods, right? It just makes sense. So I'm not saying Christians, you're too good to date non-Christians. That's not what we're saying at all. If you're a non-Christian in the room, then like it doesn't make sense for you either. It's not even fair. So I would say don't. Also write down this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. It says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. It just doesn't make sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. Yes. Don't count it against my time. <laughs> what is modesty? Amber, ooh, I don't even know what that word means. Let's go. 
<laughs> All right. Modesty is behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid indecency. So I want to hit this one thing. In our culture, there's this thing, body positive, like post whatever, show whatever, do not it all. Dog. That's not to be respected. I will I'm, unfollow you I know so I'm quick. Gonna, I know I'm going to hit some triggers right now, but that's okay. Because what should be respected is your kindness, your generosity, your genuine love. To get people's attention shouldn't be with your body. It should be with your actions, your character. So that's all I have to say. We love you. And also, can I, I don't know how many seconds I have. Okay, Bef- some of Before we got into some of this stuff, I really, really meant to honestly, genuinely say, do not feel condemnation in this room. We love you. We are for yep. you. This is like big brother, big sister coming at you like yeah. we love you. We back you. We want, it, we want the best for you. Yeah. So if you feel at any point in this whole talk that there's like, man, I don't feel like I should be sitting here. I don't feel like I should be in church. That's the enemy. Yep. S- say No. God wants you here. He brought you here. You're here for a Because even I'm showing a little bit too much ankle tonight, okay? It happens <laughs> Just know the that best. we love Don't we all? <laughs> we love you. And because we love you, we're going to share yeah. truth, but we're going to back you, and God is, uh, God is good. Yep. So. Yeah, she took right. your whole minute, so we're going to move on to the next question. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll, be just super, kidding. I'll be super quick with mine. Okay. Sorry. You, gonna, you better hit the time, or else Let's I'll go. just talk. Okay, modesty. Yeah. Modest, I'll say this. Modest is the hottest. All right? Modest is the hottest. No dude wants to take a girl in booty shorts home to his mom or introduce her to his yes. grandma. That's not, no, no, no. Okay, also, modesty is your advertisement. What do you go to Chick-fil-A for? Chicken. You don't show up and say, let me get a bean and cheese burrito. You're a fool, right? So, ladies, if all you ever see are, like, scumbags who want to date you, just ask yourself, what am I advertising? Okay. Sheesh. Last question. Didn't mean for oh, it to be man. that serious. Okay. Before he persecutes this whole church. Um, who should I talk to about relationships, sex, and dating if my parents won't talk with me? Okay. So if your parents won't talk to you, maybe you just need to have the courage to ask them some questions. Your parents are human. They're doing their best. Yeah. So muster up the courage, ask them some questions that you're dealing with, and they'll do their best. God also provided the church. You're in a church, but we are the church as people. He provided people around you. Open up about some of the questions you have. That's why we have connect groups. That's why we do youth on Wednesdays. That's why we do it on Sundays. We have people that surround you, godly people that will help you. But have the courage to ask your parents. They're doing their best. All right? Time's up. Way up. (laughs) That was exactly 30 seconds, actually. Good job. Um, Okay. Uh, If you can't talk to your parents about relationships, sex, and dating, uh, talk to, I know, this is crazy, talk to God. Talk to God. Pray about it. God can talk. He'll talk back to you. Like, you don't got to make it weird. Just God, oh, God, he's kind of cute. What should I do? Like, talk to God, you know? And then also, yes, this room is here for you. Next Wednesday, we're doing a connect group night so that if those of you who can't talk to your parents, we're going to put you in front of some people who you can talk to. Five minutes, five questions. Give it up for Corey and Amber. They did it. And we really did that. That was tough, you guys. Now we're going to get into the juicy stuff. Whoa. Si, senor. Right? Okay. First question. This is a two-part question. Two-parter. Why is it important to wait until marriage to have sex? A. Is wanting sex a sin? That's a great question, and I'm so glad we don't have to answer this in under 30 seconds. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, You go for it. All right. Um, okay, why is, why is waiting uh, until marriage to have sex important? Is wanting sex a sin? First off, our, our key scripture in this series is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Here's what it says. 
Love is patient. The first word that, that Paul chose by, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of God, the first word he chose to explain love is patience. So I think really waiting until marriage is one of the best possible ways in which you can express love to your significant other. It's ultimately saying, check it, it's saying you're worth the wait. Not waiting is saying you're not worth the wait. So that's one. Um, let me say about is wanting sex a sin? No. Wanting sex is not a sin. That's how God created you, okay? The issue isn't having a sex drive. The issue is if you let sex drive, okay? So get that straight. Um, I'll add this. uh, Why is it important to wait until marriage? I've never met someone who's waited until marriage and regretted it. I've also never met someone who didn't wait until marriage and didn't regret it. You guys catch that? Every person I've ever talked to who didn't wait until marriage, they all regret it without, without exception. And without exception, I've never met someone who did wait until marriage and regretted it. Guys, all the, uh, just to talk to the ladies a little bit, hey, all, all the fellas in the room say, hey. Come on now. You had a mic to do that, JJ, and you didn't. You missed your chance, okay? <laughs> Guys, the best, the best gift that you can give to your wife on wedding day is not a 14-day escape to the Caribbean. That would also be dope, but the best thing that you can give her is waiting, is your purity. That's the best thing you can give her. Why, Pastor Corey? Let me tell you why. Because women in our day and age and our generation, they all have been stuck in the trap of the comparison game. These girls cannot go to the grocery store and check out of the line without looking to their left and seeing magazines that try to tell them this is what you're supposed to look like. And so the best gift you could give to your future wife, men in the room, young men in the room, is never letting her, never making her have to compare herself to anybody else. Amber and I waited. She never has to compare herself to anybody else in this area of life. Let me give you a couple statistics. One in four young adults, 25 and under, one in four have STDs. There you go. We could just leave it at that. Wait, um, get this, 63% of teens who had sexual intercourse, they wished they waited. The majority of teenagers said they wished they waited. Here's a few statistics um, found of people who have sex before they get married. You're more likely to break up before you get married. You're less likely to be happy in your marriage. You're far more likely to get a divorce. You're far more likely to commit adultery, to cheat after you get married. And you're way less likely to be satisfied in your married sex life. I know junior hires, I'm sorry. But that's why I would say a handful of reasons why you should wait and if sex, wanting sex is a sin. Yeah, that's great. Uh, there's, the point I want to bring up is a whole other perspective. Uh, God's word talks about sexual sin being against your body. It's different. And when you have sex, you know that it's different. You give away a little bit of yourself. And I think our culture believes a lie that the way to prepare to get married to be stuck with one person is to sleep around. But really what you're doing is you're actually preparing. And this is what the enemy loves. He wants you, this is what you're doing. You're really preparing for destruction, for comparison, for heartache when you sleep around. And so the enemy wants you to think and believe the lie that our culture throws at us, that you have to kind of experience things. You have to experience people. Experience going to places and adventures and traveling, and there's so much to experience in life. 
But experience sex with your husband or your wife because it, it is different. The Bible talks about it being different. And I know that some people kind of get calloused because they kind of put the reality of what's going on deep down. But when you, there will be a time where you'll look back and you, and you won't want to have to think about all those people and, and, and tell your partner, like the person you're going to marry, hey, like I have this list, you know. But I also want to say this. I want to end this question with this. If you've messed up, God loves you and God can restore you. And God can still create a beautiful life for you. And so don't let the enemy throw in the lie that because you've messed up that he isn't going to use you. He isn't going to give you a great spouse. He isn't going to do amazing things in your life. Because I know a lot of people who have slipped up in this area specifically. And God is using them. And God is doing amazing things. And God has put them in ministry. And God has in, in all areas of life. And so... God is a, a redeemer. God is a restorer. So God will redeem you. God will restore you. Just cling to him. Follow him. Just turn around and follow him. And good things come from that. Just staying connected to God. So. And let me just add, too. Everything, everything beautiful comes with a boundary. Remove the boundaries. Remove the beauty. Think about it. You go, if you go to Home Depot and you buy a chainsaw, it's going to come with, a, with an instruction manual that has warnings. Right? You're, you don't get mad at like, Home Depot like, oh, like, they just don't want me to have fun. But then we think like, oh, God's given me boundaries in this area. Oh, God just doesn't want me to have fun. No, no. Home Depot includes the instruction manual because they don't want you to chop your arm off. Right? Like, but we, we assume the best intentions on Home Depot and the worst intentions on God. Yeah. No, no, no. God knows everything beautiful comes with a boundary. And what he's saying is he wants to protect you. He wants to protect you, man. And just know this. Yes, you can wait. Yeah. You can. A lot of people do. A lot more people wait than you realize, than you know. And sitting in front of you are two people who did wait. And so, yeah, that's, that's some of what we show. We, man, we could go so far into that conversation. But I suppose we'll leave it at there for tonight. Awesome answers. Let's go into a live question uh, sent to us by... Or not sent to us by anyone, but Josie's. We won't put us. you on blast. Josie is helping us with the live questions. Can you guys give it up for Josie real quick? Josie, Josie. appreciate you. We're Thanks. not going to be saying any names. Don't get worried. Yeah. But this one comes from, no. So this question from uh, the live is, says, Corey and Amber have been married for 10 years, and they still seem excited to be married to each other. How do they still seem so happy to be together after 10 years, even though so many marriages today struggle? Man, that's so good. Um... Oh, you know what? Hey, uh, tech team, do you guys have that C.S. Lewis quote still in the, still in there? Throw up the, the C.S. Lewis quote. I think there's two of them. Let's see which one is, if we get the right one. Was that a thumbs up? It looked like a thumbs up from here. Yeah? I really, I'm not going to lie. I can't see any. Okay. No, the other one. The other one. There it is. All right. Uh, this is C.S. Lewis. He says, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, earthly dearest is like the cutest nickname, by the way. Um, been calling that Amber, I've been calling Amber that all week. I have not, but I need to. My earthly dearest. You're my earthly dearest. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I wonder if you'll be my heavenly dearest. Too theologically deep, JJ. We're not going there tonight. Okay. I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. If I love God more, it'll actually help me love my wife more. The best thing the best thing I could do for, like, to, to be a better husband 
the best thing is fall more and more and more and more and more in love with Jesus because he makes me a better husband. He helps me be a better husband. He teaches me how to be a better husband. In fact, he demands me to be an exceptional husband before I'm anything else. And so I think first is putting Jesus first is help. Um, that's the number one thing that has been a huge thing in our, in our lives. But um, I think like really practically, don't take life too seriously. Like we joke all the time. We're constantly uh, joking with each other, not like getting our feelings hurt over stupid things. Life's going to bring ups and downs and we're not going to sit here and nitpick and be like we just have fun like genuinely like we're just constantly being absolute fools at the house like we are so ridiculous it's like if somebody were to like set up like a secret camera in our living room like it would be (laughs) utterly embarrassing like all the stupid jokes and the baby voices that we talk in pretty much 99% of the time we're at the house we don't take life too seriously and um I think, too, we've just been intentional about uh, investing in our marriage. Sitting in this room is our spiritual mom. Her name is Miss Annabelle. And um, her and her husband, uh, we've met with them, I mean, regularly over the last 10 years. And they've, man, uh, Pastor Joe, one time, he was talking to me, and uh, uh, he corrected me. So I'm going to be transparent right now about a moment where I was corrected uh, by someone who's a mentor of mine. Uh, We hadn't seen him for, it was actually one of the longest chunk of time. I think we hadn't seen him, maybe a couple months. And uh, we sat down, we had dinner, they came over. We're telling him, we had just gotten to the bridge. We're telling him, man, so we're doing this and this is going on. I'm super excited about this coming up right around the corner. Oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm sharing all my creativity that like I'm pouring into the ministry. And Pastor Joe said, all right, Corey, next time I see you, I want to hear about you taking all this creativity you have that you've applied to your marriage. And I want you to apply it or apply to your ministry. I want you to apply it to your marriage because you're super creative. So apply that to your marriage. And then he said, because here's the thing. He said, Corey, you know the saying, behind every great man is a great woman? I said, yeah. He said, no, it's not. I don't want my wife to be behind me. I want my wife to be beside me. I was like, oh, snap. (laughs) So investing in like putting voices in our lives as well that challenge us and that speak into our life and who are older than us and know more than we know because we don't know it all. So that's a couple things I would say. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, that is a great question. Um, I would start off with this. Uh, You guys see, some people see more of what goes on in our marriage and, uh, you know, people that are mentors in our life see almost uh, pretty much most of it because we're asking for help and guidance. Um, But Corey and I have our fair share of issues and we've had some rough years. Um, We've had, you know, years that were, we we fought a little bit more. We had a lot more going on that we had to really work through. But at the end of the day, you know, when we were dating, we set ourselves up for success in that, you know, we'll probably go into this a little bit later, but we said breaking up is not gonna be an option. And I think it set us up for success because now when we're going, now that we're married, it is not an option. Divorce isn't even in our vocabulary. If we have an issue- you just use the word. (laughs) If we have issues, okay, maybe we're mad at each other for the weekend or whatever, or for a day or or whatever, because we're human. We have issues that we have to work through. Um, We just don't give up. And we are very intentional. You know, it took me seven, or I think it was seven years, Miss Annabelle would invite me to marriage conferences every year, both of us, and we finally were like, I think we should do that. (laughs) So be intentional. It's just about being intentional about 
you know, putting this first, you know, after God. Like Corey went into the whole putting God first and allowing him to work in you. That really makes you a better spouse, of course. But, you know, really putting intentionality into going to conferences, not giving up, having fights, being honest, communicating. There's a ton of things, but you just have to keep working at it. A relationship that you see from the outside that looks amazing they have worked at it. And I'll tell you, you don't see those parts, but that's why I'm trying to tell you right now. We have worked at some things that have been, I have cried. He has been frustrated. We have been, like, not ourselves. But you see the other side of that because God did it. He brought us Can to the other side. Can I share a transparent side. story? Sure. Okay. Yikes. You don't know a story I'm going to share, though, so you just agreed to this without I even trust knowing. Because love always trusts. Yes. Uh, uh, so I punched a hole in the wall one time (laughs) emo emo all right okay all the guys in the room all the fellows have you ever like the first time you ever punched a hole in drywall were you like low-key like bro I'm so strong like but it's not the case you're just like drywall is basically like a piece of paper so Amber's like I don't and this is the funny thing. Over 10 years of like arguments, I remember this argument, but I don't remember what we were arguing about. You never remember what you're arguing about, right? So arguing, we're, we're at a trailer that was on the church campus in Elsinore where we, where we lived and stuff. And I'm sitting here, and she's on the couch right over here, and I'm yelling at her, blah, 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 blah. And she says something that made me mad. And left hand, I'm like, ah, oh, dang. And I punched the wall, but I thought it was just going to be like a, you know, just like hit the wall. And my hand goes through the wall. And I'm like, oh, man. But this is the church's, like, housing place thing you know so I can't like I don't want to like go to pastor and be like hey man me and my wife were fighting so I punched a hole in the wall like can you get me some drywall to patch this thing I don't know how to patch drywall so I got a picture and I put a picture over the hole (laughs) and then one night we used to do uh in-house connect groups like uh where our connect groups would come over to our houses on a Friday night once a month and uh we would do connect groups at our house anybody who would be down to do that like okay we should do that JJ, put that in the notes. Um, uh, one night, we're all messing around. Guys, boys being boys, we're wrestling and stuff. And somebody hits the wall, and the picture falls off the wall. There's a big old hole in the wall. My guys are like, what happened there? I was like, dang it. <laughs> but dude, like, all that to say, yo, like, you guys, what, you're, what you guys really get to see through Instagram, um, face-to-face, you're seeing the picture on the wall. But, man, there's stuff behind that picture. And what that is is, yeah, I punched a wall, but I punched a wall because I was fighting for my marriage. First off, I would never put my hands on my wife. I never have and never will. I've witnessed a lot of guys who put their hands on my mom, and I vowed to myself probably at eight, nine years old that I would never violently put my hands on my wife, not even once. And so um, this was me saying, I'm going to fight for my marriage. And why are we here today still loving life, adventurous, um, all like seriously, like still best friends? Um, It's because we never stopped fighting and we never looked at giving up as an option. So if giving up is not an option, what do you do? You work at it, and you improve it, and you get better and better and yep. better. So, And have a date night. If you don't date your spouse, the devil will find someone who will. Mm-hmm. So date your spouse. Hey, isn't it nice to have uh, pastors who are great models in every aspect of life that we're able to follow? Every aspect. Here at the... <laughs> no, that's the natural question. But don't get tattoos, okay? Don't, don't get tattoos. You live in your parents' home, it's not on It's somewhere. All right. We're going to get into this uh, deeper question. Um, brace yourselves for it. I'm going to say it like this. Um, hear what they're saying, not what they're not saying. Let's just say it with that first. Thank you. What, yeah, just for defense, okay. 
what are your views on abortion? That's a great question, um, and that's a question that's really relevant. I'm going to tackle this um, uh, just so that you guys know I did, as this question was one that came in a handful of times, I did go to our lead pastors and I asked them for the release to be able to talk about this because ultimately, just so you guys know, this is not my platform. This is Pastor Gary and Ann's yeah. platform that they've released to me. So I have asked them, hey, are you okay with me addressing this question? So I'll address it um, as quick as I can. Um, and know this, like JJ said, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. And I'll also say, um, if this is something that is, uh, you have a lot of questions about, we can spend hours and hours on this topic. Uh, and I would love to, we would love to have one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with you because this is a topic I think that is better handled in the context of relationship one-on-one. -on -one. Let me first off say, we are not here to condemn anybody. No. The role of the church on planet Earth is not to judge the world, okay? Only, get, like, I know it's typical, but that's, that's God's job. That's not our job. So I'm not here to judge anybody at all. John chapter 10, uh, John chapter 10, verse number 10, it says the thief's purpose, that's the devil, that's Satan. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God is the giver of life, and if God has given life, we have no place to take that life. Uh, Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, before I formed you, before, before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. When you're starting to get into the realm of this conversation, here's the most important question. If you're a note taker, you should write this down because if you get in conversation with anybody, um, especially in our demographic of the country, the most important question is this. When is it a life? When is it a life? Um, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe that scripture supports. Here's what I believe that science supports. Conception is the only consistent point that we have. Conception is the only consistent point that we have. Um, I would uh, advise you, those of you probably, those of you who are in high school, those of you, where's class of 2020? You're about to graduate, head to college. Let's go, class of 2020. Um, you're going to be going off to college, into the workforce, into the military, into the world. And this is a conversation that's going to be at the forefront of um, the political spectrum, of the cultural spectrum, of the societal spectrum. And so you will likely get into conversations like this. What I would tell you is ask them first, when does life begin? And then number two, I would tell them um, what I'm going to ask of you while we have this conversation is for, listen to me closely, intellectual consistency. Intellectual consistency. Let me just share with you a few examples so you know what I mean. Often what people say is life begins at consciousness. They say, okay, so the child in the womb, it is only a human once they have consciousness. Okay, I'm asking you to be intellectually consistent. So then does that mean when you are asleep, I'm allowed to kill you because you're not conscious? Okay, what about when someone's in a coma? And this person, because I'll hear a lot, you know, when they say consciousness, what I'll say is, okay, so um, what about when somebody is in a coma and they're unconscious, but the doctor says, oh, you know what, imagine this happening. Um, Ma'am, your husband was in a, I'm sorry for using a very real possible, uh, very real situation. Your, your husband was in a motorcycle accident. He's in a coma, but, um, but hey, things look good. And given the time to heal, uh, he will wake up. And then the wife goes, ah, let's pull the plug. 
right? Like, no, like she, she's out of her mind and is going to probably an insane asylum. And that doctor, if he pulls the plug, will actually be sent to jail for either murder or malpractice, right? You guys have already made the connection. Someone in a coma who has a very great likelihood of gaining consciousness down the road, well, come on, that is exactly what's happening in the womb. So consciousness, be intellectually consistent. If that's when you say that life begins, oh, okay, they're not a human until they breathe. Okay, but what about when you're underwater? You're not being intellectual. I know it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, jo it's laughing. Mad. Okay, cool. What about somebody who cannot breathe on their own because of medical issues? So as soon as you pull them off the respirator, are you allowed to kill them? Okay, no, that just doesn't hold up to scrutiny. It's not intellectually consistent. Last, often people say viability. If you don't know what viability means, is ultimately that means that this child would be able to um, survive and live if they were not connected to their mother. Um, here's the thing. A three-month-old is not viable. Leave a three-month-old by itself for more than 12 hours, and it's going to die. So if you're intellectually consistent, you would have to say viability means that you would also be okay with killing a three-month-old. It's just not. So ask for intellectual consistency. I think that the scientific knowledge we have now shows in so many ways that, man, we need to move forward in this area. Um, let me say this for everybody in this room right now. Standing up for what's right is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And where we live, we live in a very... Um, a very liberal state, um, and standing up for what's right is not going to be easy. We're currently in um, Black History Month. We celebrated Martin Luther King Day not that long ago, and all of us were posting MLK quotes and pictures all over our social media. Can I tell you, in the middle of the civil rights movement, MLK was not a hero. Mm -hmm. They made him a crook. They made him a criminal. They literally threw him in jail. They plastered his face all over the news and made him out to be somebody that he wasn't because doing what was right ultimately got him in jail and it ended up getting him killed. Doing what is right is not going to be easy. But what you can't do is allow culture and society and what's trendy be your moral compass. Here's your moral compass. Because culture, society, what's trendy yeah. and what's cool will change and change and change and change and change. You have to allow God's word to be your moral compass, not yeah. what's trendy. And not what's trendy just in your demographic in the state you live in. Because if you drive one or two states over, everything changes. Okay? So just know that <clears throat> in the spectrum. Oh, let me add this really quick. I'm almost done here. I was told when everything happened in New York, Amber, the whole New York uh, bill that was signed, if you don't know what I'm talking about, after church, go and, um, go and Google it. Me and Amber, we thought heavily about, should we post something on our social medias about this? Because our students started asking us, what should we, we believe about this topic? I'm hearing certain things, and we decided to post something. I had somebody who's connected to some of my friends, and basically a friend of a friend, who went onto my social media, they left a post that said something along the lines of, Corey, this is super easy for you to talk about. <clears throat> she went on to say that um, it's easy for you to talk about because you are a middle-class white male who is so far removed from this situation. And I said, first of all, be, being any one of those things doesn't mean that I can't have an opinion or freedom of speech. So that's ridiculous, and that's a trendy thing to say as well. Don't let that be a lie to you um, guys in the room. And then I said, here's the funny thing, young lady. I didn't call her young lady, but I should have, right? I wasn't going to be that petty. I said, here's the thing. You have no idea who you're talking about, and you don't know my story, and you think that I'm so far removed. But what you don't know is that my mother, Carrie, 
at 17, got pregnant with my brother, or at 16, got pregnant with my brother, gave birth to him at 17. At 17 and a half, she got pregnant, and at 18, she had an abortion. She then got pregnant with me at 19, and her entire family told her to abort me. And really, when you stop and think about it, it kind of made sense. She already had one abortion, but she decided not to abort me. When I was in about the eighth grade, I asked my mom, how come you didn't have an abortion with me as well? And my mom said, because of the overwhelming guilt from the first abortion, I couldn't do it again. Corey, I've thought about that every day of my life. That's what my mom said. Don't tell me I'm so far removed that I don't know what I'm talking about. I have a little brother or a little sister in heaven waiting for me right now. Don't tell me I'm far removed. I was, I'm not supposed to be here, but I am. I'll end this by saying this. Um, ultimately, the justification, because here's the thing. You have to ask, how are, how are people justifying abortion? Here's how. It's one human telling another human, you're not a human because you don't look like me. When was the last time we did that? It was called slavery. We said... I'm a human, but since you don't look like me, you're not a human, you're property. And you know how we all look at slavery 100 years later and go, oh my God, how did we justify that? I think in 100 years, we're gonna look back on abortion and say, oh my God, how did we justify that? Dig so much, I could dig so much deeper into this, but I'll end by saying, God loves, God forgives. If you're in this room and you've had an abortion, God restores. He did it for my mom. He can do it for you as well. If you'd like to have a deeper conversation on this topic, please come talk to us. We are open about it. Are we still cool? You still love me, guys? I love you guys too. Man, that was was a sermon in itself. Um, We're going to go to another live question. And uh, the question is this. What are some good slash practical things to do so that I don't fall into lustful desires. Hmm. You say again? What are some good slash practical things to do so that I don't fall into lustful desires? So practical things. They're asking for practical. I think that number one, There's a scripture that talks about being invested in the house of God and that you will flourish. So the direction I want to talk about is when you are invested in the house of God that, or, you know, the church that God has called you to, you, your investment there, it's not a distraction. It's a preparation. God is preparing you. And I think the most important thing you can do practically is get involved at your church. Be serious with your relationship with God because that is going to help you the most. Are you in your word? Are you reading God's word? Even if it's just a verse a day, just committing to him each morning or each night, like, God, I'm, I want what you have for me. That's what's going to help gear you in the right direction. It's not going to make you perfect because you know what? No one in this room, myself included, is not perfect. And I have to work at my relationship with God every day. It doesn't matter that I'm a pastor's wife. It doesn't matter what titles I have. Titles mean nothing. My relationship means everything. So when you are invested in your relationship with God and you are practically invested at church, hey, I want to serve. I want to help set up. I want to help tear down. I want to get involved in this. I want to I want to try out for the worship team. I want to, you know, there's tons of ways that you can get involved. I want to help at the cafe. You know, there's a lot of things you can do, and it's not to be a distraction, 
God will bring you around good people. You will meet good people, godly people. You will be in a place where people are pushing you towards the right direction. And so I just say get invested in church. You will, your life will flourish when you're invested in church. So that's kind of my perspective. I know it's just a sort of different one. But anyways. How do you say my, uh, my title's not important? My title's not important in my relationship. Yes. That's super good. Yeah. Um, don't put yourself in environments that will compromise your commitments. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. not a single there's not a single girl in this room. There's not a single girl in this room. Maybe, maybe subtract Miss Annabelle, who's my <laughs> it's like my mother. She's like my second mother. There's not a single person in this room, not a single female, who can say they've ever been in a room alone with me. It doesn't happen. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time. I won't even pray for you young ladies alone. Do you know why? Because this lady comes first, and she'll always come first. And I, it's not even just like, oh, yeah, I put her first because she's, you know, so that means every, every day I go home to her. And this, No, no, no. It means I will never put myself in any type of position that could possibly compromise this. Because if this fails, everything else fails. Mm-hmm. Think about it. If this were to fail, I would no longer be your youth pastor. I would no longer be your mentor, your leader, which makes sense because if I'm not managing my marriage, I shouldn't be in ministry. And here's the thing. Here's why. We live in a day and age that there is no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. All it would ever take is one young lady who maybe got the wrong impression, one young lady who... Uh, maybe was offended and so bends the truth or says something about me that isn't necessarily completely true. Maybe a misinterpretation of something that's said that says something like, oh, he came on to me. He flirted. But you know how you can never do that? When Josie is standing right there next to me and when you say, can you pray for me? I say, absolutely. Josie, could you come here and be my accountability in this? You girls don't know this, young ladies, and I love you all. You're my little sisters. Know that. My little sisters. But you don't know this, but there are five or six women in this room that every single Wednesday night and every single Sunday morning, every single convention, every single summer camp, that they watch me like a hawk. And if there's, any, if there's a lady who tries to pull me away into a one-on-one conversation, they immediately come over because they're my safeguards. They're my sisters who are going to come in and make sure that I'm never put into an environment that compromises my commitments. Pastor Corey, you're so extreme. You know who else is extreme? The devil. And he's going to try to trip you up and he's going to try to ruin your life. And so what I'm not going to do is allow any room for that. Pastor Corey, I'm just going to the party. It's not like I'm not going to drink and do that stuff. Yeah, okay, you're going to put yourself in environments that compromise your commitments, and before you know it, you're going to make decisions. You could, in a matter of minutes, make a decision that will haunt you for decades. Mm -hmm. Don't put yourself in those positions. Don't put yourself in those places. Don't put yourself around those people. Okay? Be smart. Don't put yourself in environments that will compromise your commitments. Mm -hmm. That's why I deleted Snapchat. Ooh. Hey, all the Finsta people, delete them. Anyways, <laughs> hey, um, I think we have time for two more questions. Yeah. Um, if so we tackle them quick, we could do three. Three. You're feeling crazy today. <laughs> um, this is, um, it says this, how do you get, this is a two-part uh, question, two-parters. How do you get out of a relationship that you've been in for a long time if you're just comfortable in it? 
And part two, how do you know it's time to end a relationship? Sheesh. I'll start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, if you're considering that you maybe shouldn't be with a person, stop wasting time. And uh, I will say... That only applies if you're not married. Obvious. Yes. And we... Yes. That is... We're not... You're not married. <laughs> um, in a dating relationship. But I think... You know, girls, sometimes we <laughs> do this thing where we're like... I don't want to be mean. But I don't like, I don't want to break his heart. You know, and I girls, don't want to. I feel you so do bad. And you know why I'm saying that? Because, and you like how she put herself like uh, in that thing. She's like, girls, because you know when I, we do that thing? I like, made some mistakes. Guarantee she don't do that thing. I, I, made, I made mistakes. And I was in a relationship when I was 16. And I didn't talk to the guy for a week so he would break up with me. She ghosted that this dude. That was bad. That you know is, the worst no, thing? don't clap. No, you don't know the clap. worst thing about this? Don't clap. I, I, some it's of bad. My, some of our friends do are with that, are like, some of our friends are like friends with that guy, right? Oh. And, uh, and I've met him and like we've hung out. He's the sweetest dude in the world. He's so nice. She ghosted him. Don't do so, that. Don't do that. So I'm saying because I didn't have the courage but I learned later to have the courage to say, no, this is not the relationship I want to be in. No, this is not what, I, this is not what God has for me. Um, have courage to just break it off. If you're in a relationship and you shouldn't be in it, stop wasting time. Yeah, um, yeah it's as simple as that. That's where I'm going with it. So, um, how, how do you end a relationship that should end? Nike said it best, just do it. <laughs> just end it. Uh, just tell them, ladies, all the ladies in the room, um, you care for, you, you are actually, uh, because I know this is controversial, but uh, guys and girls are different. <laughs> they're different. They're different. Guys, girls, they're different. In Genesis chapter one, uh, he made them in, in his likeness, male and female, he made them. Okay, so they're different. Male and female, he made them different. Ladies, you're different. And one of the things you're a lot better at than we are, ladies, it's just the facts, is you are way more caring. Um, but sometimes that can get you in trouble because what happens is you care so much, you're like, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings, but I know this is going nowhere. No, hurt his feelings. Because he said it earlier in this series, um, and like, if you're like, oh, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings, it's actually more disrespectful because yeah. what you're telling him is, I don't think you're strong enough to handle the truth. No, instead, show him the respect that says, I think you are such a strong man so very strong that I know you can handle the truth. And you're awesome and I'm awesome. We're just not awesome together. For the ladies, for the guys, don't do it over text. You coward. Have courage. Face to face. And you... Maybe have a gift. Don't do it over text. Man, be... I'm going to say another controversial saying, but I don't care because it applies and I love it. I love the saying, man up, man up. Go look her in the eyes and tell her how awesome she is and just that you guys aren't awesome together, okay? The last thing I'll say is uh, if you've been broken up with, we all been dumped. Come on, some. who in the room has been dumped? Raise your hand. Come on. 
Bro, doesn't getting dumped suck? Bro, it's Holy Spirit right now, just at this altar time. I pray for deliverance. Hey, if you have been dumped, don't wage war. Wage peace. I said this to some people today. They said some stuff, and I said, there's some of my boys. I looked at them and said, can I be your pastor real quick? Can I correct you real quick? I said, hey, if anybody wants to have problems, let it be their problem. I don't got problems with nobody. You name anybody on planet Earth, I got problems with nobody. Nope. Okay. Maybe like ISIS. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, like, I don't have problems. Don't wage war. Wage peace. Because here's the reality. If you're over here and you're like, I can't believe them. Are you going to break up with me? Are you kidding me? I'm amazing. No, get over yourself. You're not perfect. And neither are they. But, man, like, you don't have to wage war. The enemy, he wants to bring disunity amongst uh, humanity. Yeah. And he'll use this. He'll use anything. He'll use, don't let him bring disunity. Just, just be like, hey, you're awesome. I'm awesome. We're just not awesome together. You saw that and cool. No problem. Let it go. And look, don't, you don't got to go on your whole life talking about it. Just let it go. Let it go. Here's the thing. If something's behind you, it's because God has something better for you in front of you. Yes. All right? You either trust him or you don't. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All right. Dish out a couple more. Let's, let's go for two more. Okay. We'll, go, we'll, we'll tackle the next one. I think my quick. favorite part of the night is, uh, you know, ladies, something we do. <laughs> you know, ladies, something we always do. So transparent. Um, we're going to go into a, um, I wanna, let's do, because uh, we have five right here. I was thinking maybe a five-minute. stacked ones? Yeah, the stacked hmm. ones. I okay. said we go like a five, the five questions, five minutes, or five questions, uh, whatever seconds Let's do the up. five questions in one minute. Five questions in one Five minute. questions, one minute. Okay. We are One minute here. each. First question. Okay. My boyfriend is kind of controlling. Is that normal? Hmm. Are we going to tackle these one by one? One by one. Let's go. All right, hit it. That is not normal. You mm-hmm. should not be controlled by anything but God and the Holy Spirit, okay? Come on now. That's it. Woo, glory That's it. to God. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, controlling, no, being control, being controlling is not normal. And I will say this, if uh, for whatever lady this was, but this also applies to the guys, the things to look out for there, if they're trying to make sure, if they're trying to isolate you from your family or if they're trying to isolate you from their friends and they're controlling that, that's something you got to really look out for, okay? That's not healthy. Yeah. What should I do if it feels like I'm the one putting in the most effort in the relationship? That's good. Yeah, I mean, if it's not two-sided, if they're not down to, like, put an effort into the relationship, then why are you with them? Like, if it's already there right now, how do you think it's going to be years later and into marriage? Like, come on. That's, like, that doesn't make any sense. That's actually really good because here's the thing is that getting married doesn't solve your problems. It just puts it under a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. So just get, it's not going to get better in marriage, okay? Like, I know ladies being so caring, like, oh, if we just put a ring on it, like, it's going to all get better. No, it's not. It's going to get worse, actually. I'll say it about that. Um, I will say this, though. Don't fall into the lie and the trap that every relationship is 50-50 all the time. It should be 50-50 a lot of the time. But can I just tell you, sometimes it's 70-30. And sometimes it's it's 90-10 or 99-1 because, like, when I'm sick, I am a baby. I am a... I'm, when I have a cold, I'm like, women 
who give birth to triplets might know a fraction of the pain I'm experiencing right now. Like, I'm such a baby, and my wife has to take care of me like a baby, right? Like, so it's that, or there's some seasons where it's like, I'm, Amber struggles with anxiety. I struggle with depression. And in those seasons, sometimes it can feel like I'm over here giving 80, you're only giving 20. And she's like, I'm over here giving 95 and you're giving five. But we love each other. So we walk through those seasons together until we get back to the balance of 50-50. But it should always be reciprocal. Relationships should be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. Is it okay for your boyfriend slash girlfriend to yell at you when you're arguing? Hmm. Hmm. At you? Hmm. We both said, yeah, yell at you hmm. when you're well, arguing. Well, we've, we've both yelled our points, <laughs> but <coughs> I think you, <laughs> that's just transparent. Like, honestly, ah. real life, you get really heated about stuff, so then. Who, who in the room, you cannot really picture Amber, like, freaking out and yelling at me. You just can't do it. Okay, I can picture it. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> might be able to picture Who cannot that. picture me yelling at Amber? You can't picture it? Less hands. All right, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, forget you guys. You're about to get yelled at now, okay? <laughs> no, look, uh, I'll say this. Like, like I will say this. Sometimes, like, you're, you're, so, there's students who will come to me and be like, my parents yelled at me. Like, I'm so bummed. But, look, you only yell at things that you're passionate about, right? Like, if I didn't care, I'm not going to. If Amber comes to me and is like, oh, blah, 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 and I don't care, I'll be like, I'm real quiet about the stuff I don't care about, but I get pretty loud about the things I care about. So sometimes, like, even though you got to keep stuff under control, you cannot, what, what I wrote down is, what are they yelling? Yeah. What are they yelling? Are they degrading? Are they bringing down your value, your self-confidence? That's a problem. Look, are, how are you ending these conversations, right? Those are some of the things I would say. How often do they yell? That's what I would say. We do, I mean, we will once in a blue moon be very mad and end up yelling at each other. And typically, um, Amber will be like, I'm going and telling God on you. Like, and she'll go to the room and like journal and tell God on me. Um, but yeah, like how often, what are you saying? That's some of the stuff that I would say. So, and if it's early on, not, that's not normal. If you're yelling at each other in the first like week of your relationship that's not normal ask your mentor ask someone that's ask above him. you that yeah. is a godly person and they'll tell you yep yep don't be a husband to your girlfriend anyways Ooh, is it okay? the host said let me drop <laughs> something real don't, quick don't, let, don't get me started all right listen how do you uh, i didn't get paid for this okay is it how do you have disagreements with your boyfriend or your girlfriend in a good way that's a great question because you will have disagreements if you're in a serious relationship that you're working at. So I think the way you do it is you find a good time to bring up the issue, the disagreement. Um, you're, not, you're never going to find a perfect time, but you need to find a time because if you just hide it and you never talk about it, you're going to blow up about it because I've done that. I used to kind of suppress things and just not talk about the things that frustrated me and then it blew up. So you need to find a good time, probably when you're not hungry or tired. What's the other one? Isn't there another one? Hungry, tired, hungry, emotional. tired emotional. Yeah. Guys or girls? <laughs> Mainly girls. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> I'm in that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need to find a time to talk about those things. I think, yeah, yeah don't suppress things. Talk about issues. Yeah. That's a real relationship. And talk about them early and often. Okay, yes. don't assume because they're a Christian that they have the same boundaries as you and everything's the exact yeah. same. Talk about early and often. Guys, this is for you. This might be one of the best things you hear all night. You need to write this down. This is for your future marriage. You're investing in it. You need to learn how to fight and fight well, right? Like fight where like this is a healthy, like you're going to fight. I'm sorry. Like 
I know you wish your pastors could sit in front of you and be like, uh, we never fight. Like, we're so happy. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, no, we are. And life is awesome. But sometimes we get super mad because she put my shoes in the freezer under the bag of peas for God knows why. And I'm freaking out again. Like, you know, um, you're going to fight. But you need to learn how to fight. And you need to learn what your goal is. Guys in the room, gentlemen. Your goal of a fight is not to win a fight because if I win, that means my wife lost. And if my wife loses, then I just lost. Your goal is not to win. Can I also tell you that most fights end in compromise? Hey, you were wrong in this way and this way and this way, and I was wrong in this way and this way and this way. If you'll work on this, then I'll work on this. High five, let's get it. Okay? I didn't know if she was going to high five me or not. In faith, I was just holding it there for, come on, huh? Your goal, and so learning to fight well is saying, my goal is not to win. My goal is to yeah. bring resolution and probably find common ground. So, yeah. That's yeah. good. We're going to do one more of the last uh, five, and then we're going to get into the last uh, question of the night. Um, is it bad to fight a lot? If it's early in the relationship, yes. Um, there might be seasons where, like, just tough, some tough seasons. Guys, we've had tough seasons. We've had tough seasons. God's been through us with it all, and he's got us through it all, and we've chosen. And can I just say this? For those of you in the room who have come from broken homes, your mom or your dad are divorced, or maybe you never saw your mom and dad together, um, you, if you're like a first generation, like, gonna be married, stay married, we're first generation married, stay married. Um, my mom and dad were never even uh, together, and my dad left when I was really young. Amber's dad and mom, they split up. Amber's mom and stepdad um, were getting a divorce right when we got engaged. So we never had this modeled for us. That's why we got Joe and Annabelle in our life, so we can have someone to model it for us. That's why we got Pastor Gary and Ann in our life, so we have someone who can model it for us. That's why we got people around us to model it for us, right? But what's going to happen is we had some, like, like um, almost inherited, uh, inherited, like, damage, you know? And that had made some seasons of our marriage really tough. Uh, and we fought a lot in certain seasons. And most seasons, we don't. We really don't fight much. And you just get better and better and better. If you're fighting a lot early on, that's not normal. You probably you shouldn't even be fighting, yeah. like, I mean, the first year. If you're, if you're fighting a ton in your first year, that's weird. Be careful. That's a so red flag. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not the right relationship. But, right. yeah, I mean... I kind of agree with everything you say, and then... Well, that's because typically you just yeah, uh, biblically it, submit to your stuff. husband. It just makes here. sense. <laughs> He's playing games, that's if you an don't email. know. But every lady said, oh, man. <laughs> Get a load of this yeah. yeah, I think, guy. I mean, when you're, when you're first dating, though, and we're, you know, we're sharing a lot into, like, we've been married for over 10 years. It's a, it's a long thing. We've yeah. been together for a long time, almost 14 years, and so... In the beginning, you should be having fun. Yeah. If you're not having fun, why are you in the real? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, we just talked about a lot of different things. Like, Early oh, on, if it's only yeah. fun, blah, blah, blah. No, but godly fun. Like, you should be having fun. Yeah. You should be having the best time yeah. in your relationship. When we were dating, yeah. joy, joy. You should be having joy. Yeah. Yes. It is the best. Our, like, I remember the first year that we were dating, it was like we had so much fun. We went to Disneyland. We went on so many cool dates. We did so many new things. I learned so much about him. He learned so much about me. Anyways, you shouldn't be fighting a lot, like, in the beginning. That's just, just weird. Like, if you're just fighting, like, you should, you should be the annoying couple, like, probably. Like, you should probably be the annoying couple early on, not <laughs> fighting all the time. So, yeah. 
Don't sit on the same side of the booth, please. Don't. Oh, do not please. be same side sitters. Don't do it. Or you please. will break up. Yes, Statistics. there's a name for it. And if that's you, you are what's wrong with America. Okay. It's in like James 50, 70. Okay. So, <laughs> hey, before we move on to our last question, how many of us have loved what Corey and Amber have poured into us? And just, it's been absolutely amazing. Hey, we, we love Corey and Amber. You guys are amazing pastors, amazing friends. And we thank you guys so much for being uh, transparent with us in these uh, pretty deep questions. And for the last one, as we close out our night, um, it says this. What happens if I already went too far with someone? I'll start. Um, recognize it. Recognize that you've gone too far, because sometimes people just let things go too far and they never stop, talk through it, be honest with themselves about it. Um, but obviously, if you're asking this question, you've, you've gotten there. You're honest with yourself. Um, the Bible talks about how a righteous man falls, can fall seven times, but he always gets back up. So get back up. Allow God to speak into your life. Bring some people around you that can help give you some guidelines that can help you. And the guidelines don't, they're not, it's not like the guidelines mean, well, this is the only thing that's going to work for you. No, no, no. You need a bunch of people around you to surround you to be praying for you, praying with you about that thing that maybe you slipped up with. Um, and no one in this room is perfect. We've all slipped up in some way. And we've all had to get back up and say, God, like, I kind of messed up. Can you lead me in the right direction? And so just having an honest heart before God. Um, in a relationship, being honest with that person. I remember when Corey and I were dating, the most important thing we did, and sometimes it took longer than it should, but when we messed up in our relationship, we always got to a place of, that wasn't right. We passed our boundaries. How do we fix this? And then we would go to God individually. Like, we need to figure this out. We need to set tighter boundaries. We need to set new parameters. And so we did that multiple times in, in our dating relationship. So, um, you're never too far. Get back up, but put new boundaries in place. Get some people around you, godly people that can help you. Most definitely. Um, hey, Chandler, could you could you head up and um, play behind us? Hey, before before I get to my response, can we say thank you to JJ for hosting tonight, helping making this happen? Um, no, you're good. You stay up. Um, what happens? Uh, what happens if if you've already gone too far with someone? Um, I have a handful of stuff I want to say about this, so I'll make, but I'll make it really brief, and I'll save some of it for. Hey, if we do, if we do Q and A again, we are you guys down for that? You want to do another Q and R before the end of this se this season? Okay, uh, we'll probably do one not this Sunday, but we'll do a Sunday edition um, next Sunday. So come for that, and then not next Wednesday night. We got Connect Group night next Wednesday, but maybe the next week. I'll just bypass doing. Um, a final, uh, doing a message, and maybe that night we'll do another Q&R, but um, um, there's this really, really uh, random verse that comes to mind in Exodus, where um, anyone who doesn't know the Israelites are in slavery, Moses was tasked by God to go and to speak to Pharaoh, who was the leader of Egypt, to say, hey, let my people go, and uh, all these plagues hit Exodus. It was it's a pretty wild story, but then there gets this moment um, where uh, one of the plagues is that frogs came into Egypt, millions and millions, 
some people think billions of frogs came into Egypt. They're everywhere. And the description that the Bible gives is that they were in people's beds. They were in the, uh, the places where they would cook. People were finding them in their food because there were so many frogs. And this was like the turning point for Pharaoh. He's like, oh my gosh, like we can't handle this. And then he tells Moses, okay, pray to your God. Pray to your God to make these frogs go away and I'll release the people. And Moses says, okay, when would you like me to pray? And then Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Why would he say tomorrow? Why wouldn't he say right now? Please, right now. I can't help but to think that Pharaoh wanted to hold on to his sin for one more night. Do not hold on to your sin for one more moment. That sin wants to kill you. That's its job. That's its task. Stop saying tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm going to get right with God tomorrow. I'm going to get right with God tomorrow. You might not have tomorrow. Let go of it tonight. Don't put off. Yesterday you said you'd do it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's come. It's today. But let me add this. You have messed up. John 3, 17, it follows maybe the most famous verse in all of scripture. It says this, God sent his son into the world, not, everybody say not, not to judge the world. Another version says not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Some of you have never heard that before. You came to church tonight for the first time and you had a picture of who God is and who Jesus is. And you think of him as, a, as somebody who's come to condemn and to point out all your wrongs. But the Bible is clear that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. And those who are in, listen to me, young person, those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You know what happens, the picture we get, young person, because I know, just statistically speaking, a lot of people in this room have messed up in this area. And this is, Amber was talking about how sexual sin is a different type of sin. It's what the Bible says. All sin is equal from a spiritual standard. Sin is sin. But there's certain sin that affects us in a unique way. And this is one of those unique sins that affect us in a unique way. And one of the unique ways that it affects us is it, it is it, um, it, gives us such guilt and shame and you feel disgusting and and guys you stop being able to look girls in the eyes and and you feel like you're so gross and then you feel like I can't come to the altar and lift my hands in worship because I just did this and so I'd be such a hypocrite yeah guess what we're all hypocrites welcome to the club that's the gospel you're a hypocrite I'm a hypocrite thank God for his grace and his love and thank you for Jesus this, is, this sin is the thing that when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you say, I, I pray every night before I go to bed. I pray, but not tonight because tonight I just looked at that on my phone or I just did that with so-and-so. And so I'm not going to pray tonight. Can I tell you, your Father in heaven is heartbroken over anything that would keep you from him. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Here's the picture that we get. Stand up for me, JJ. This isn't going to work well because you're buffer than me um, and my pants are stuck very high. Um, 
when you ask Jesus into your life, what happens is God's looking at you and he sees you and he sees you in your sin. He sees you in your guilt and your shame and all of your dirtiness. And then you say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash away my sins by your blood and your sacrifice? And then what happens is Jesus goes and he steps in front of you. And Jesus is perfect. So now when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees perfection. Grab a seat, JJ. Um, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus goes to this prostitute woman in the gospel. And, and there's these religious leaders who are getting ready to kill her for her sins. And, and uh, this is where the famous verse, he who is without sin cast the first stone comes. Jesus said that to these religious leaders. And while the woman is face down in the dirt, uh, most people believe she was literally naked in front of this crowd about to be murdered for the things that she had done. She was sleeping around. That was her, that was her sin. And these people are about to kill her. And Jesus stands between this woman and the religious leaders. And he says, cool, yeah, she sinned. She messed up. But any of you who haven't sinned, those of you who are perfect, you throw the first rock. And then they all leave one by one. Jesus defended this woman. And then he turns over and he lifts her up. He lifts her head up because that's what Jesus does. When your face is down in the dirt, he lifts you up. He doesn't push your face further down. That's not our God. Maybe that's some other religions that you've read about or have experienced or you've been around. But that is not our God. He lifts her head up. He looks her in the eyes. And he says, hey, where are your accusers? She looks around. She says, oh, my gosh, I didn't even notice. They're gone, though. He says, yeah, so who's condemned you? And she says, no one. And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If you've slipped up in this area, here's, here's what you do. You walk away from condemnation and you go and sin no more. How? Step one, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Savior. We're talking about relationships. The best relationship you'll ever be in is with Jesus, with your maker, with God. Some of you, you thought you had to have every question answered before you came to God, and now you're here like, wow, these people are just as confused as I am. This is awesome. Oh, no, don't, don't wait to have every question answered before you go to God. Bring all your questions to God. He loves it. He loves it. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Well, how does that happen, Corey? It's super easy, actually. You just talk to God. We call it prayer. And you ask Jesus to come into your life. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. That's how we start the journey. Some of you are sitting in this room saying, I want to do that. Well, you're going to have that opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Nobody looking around. I know that this is a, a public setting, but this is a private moment right now. And I am going to ask you to respond in a specific way. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to give your life to God, if you want forgiveness for all your sins, everything, I'm just going to ask when I get to three that you would raise your hand. I just believe that when we respond on the outside to what is happening and on the inside, it makes it so much more real to us. So here we go. This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. My moment was 15 years old at a club at my school. This is your moment. Don't put off to tomorrow that which you can do today. Here's your moment. When I get to three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now, all over this place. Come on, hands going up. Anybody else? Amazing. Come on. 
Anybody else, this is your moment. I don't got to count to three again. You just raise your hand. So many hands going up right now. It's amazing, amazing. Wow. There's some decisions in life you'll regret. This is not one of them. I promise you that, young person. I'm so proud of you, those of you raising your hands. Hey, you can put your hands down. What we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. And we're just going to confess what we know to be true about our God. And we're going to ask Jesus to literally come and start a relationship with us. It's the best moment of your life. It's an eternal decision. You're going to have the confidence from here for the rest of your life that the moment that you close your eyes here on this earth, you're going to open them in heaven with our Father, with our Savior. And he's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We, we do pray out loud because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead, then you'll be saved. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you some words. You just repeat the words right after me, but don't worry, we're a family, so everybody's going to pray this together. You don't have to yell it, but right out loud. Would you just repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. No turning back and no looking back. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now?